Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Well, hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, uh, coming to you live from the studio this week. We are, we're back in the studio. We took a week off. Yeah, at the lovely shores of Summit Lake. How about that? Yeah. We're still here. So, um, yeah, glad to be back in the studio. It was nice to have a week off last week. Put, mm-hmm. a, put a, you know... Kind of a pre, uh, pre, what edited show up for? Yeah, uh, the it wasn't really show. a week off. We just just shifted our focus for a couple of days. So we didn't have time to jump in studio live because yeah. you're right. We didn't have a week off. We were busy. Yes. you were busy. I was busy. We're on the road doing different That's things. Right. I went west. You went east. I did. Yep. I did. Uh, man, I hit the road. We're going to get into all that later on as we move forward here. Uh, glad you could all uh, jump back in this evening and and see us here live as we uh, bring you the show each mostly each and every thursday 6 p.m so it's go time and once again we have a lot of things to get caught up on tommy and mm-hmm. part of that is just you and i out creating content and bring it to the people absolutely <laughs> so uh hey before we get too far along as we do each and every week I want to remind everybody and you got to start taking advantage of this stuff go to our webpage www.fishhuntnw.com there you will find the edge rods coupon fhn20 you're going to save 20% off all fishing rods at Edge Rods at checkout by simply entering FHN20 as your coupon code. Any rods that are not previously uh, connected to another special, um, you're going to save 20% on your entire purchase. That is a heck of a deal. Then, of course, we've teamed up with Phelps, Phelps Game Calls. Go to uh, their website through the entire year. Enter Fish Hunt 10 at the checkout with Phelps Game Calls. You're going to save 20, uh, 10% off all Phelps game calls for the entire year. So, I mean, if you got all the turkey calls you need and you got elk on the horizon, you got to start thinking. And, you know, waterfowl, doesn't matter, predator mm-hmm. calls. They got the whole line now, Tommy. Guys need to take advantage of this. You definitely need to start taking advantage of these edge rods because you're not going to find anywhere else you're saving 20%. So nice to see a lot of people signing on here. Uh, we'll try to interact with you folks as much as we can. Good to see you guys. The regulars are on here, Tommy, as per usual. So that's good. Yep. yep. Um, hey, I had... Uh, Wanted to remind everybody, believe it or not, it's it's getting close, man. we got a couple weeks. Kids Fishing Derby. Yes. Fish on Northwest, Summer Lake Community, Kids Fishing Derby. The Kids Trout Derby is coming up May 20th here at the Summer Lake Community Center is where we're hosting it. 
A uh, lot of really amazing things going on. Uh, Ryan Elwell has been fantastic with Mission Outdoors. We're bringing the food. They're bringing the food. Free lunch, free breakfast, right, for everybody that shows up. Mm -hmm. Free food all day long. Um, got Are a we able to swing the trout pond? That's what we I We got the kids' trout pond. That's we, awesome. We got the kids' trout pond. WDFW yep. is planting 250 trout in the kids' trout pond at the That's facility. That's awesome. That kids five and under, moms, dads, single parents, whatever, you got little ones five and under, you want to bring them fishing, we'll have poles, we have bait, they're going to catch fish, they're going to win prizes. That's great. All right there at the facility. Awesome. Right? So uh, kids five and over up to age 14 participate in the derby out on the lake, and uh, we're hoping to have a great turnout, lots of prizes, lots of, uh, lots of things to give away. Uh, next week, going to run down a list of the sponsors, mm -hmm. all those that are contributing because it's a host of them. And this is going to be a fantastic event once again. And I'm pretty sure uh, we can anticipate a, a great turnout. Mm -hmm. Also, we've teamed up with the church, the Summit Lake Community Church. We got parking attendants. So, uh, folks, if you bring your trucks and your boats, you get done fishing, want to stay for the awards with your kids, as you should, you don't have to worry about trying to get the boat home and then come back. Your gear and everything's going to be protected. We'll That's have great. four or five uh, parking lot attendants. They're going to they're going to pull you in there with your trucks and boats. You can leave all your stuff. Mm -hmm. We got eyes on it for you. Nothing to worry about. Stress free. Perfect. So show up and enjoy, and we're going to have a really good time. So looking forward to that. Um, if any of you still want to uh, help out or participate in uh, volunteering, just get a hold of us on Facebook, and uh, we'll uh, we'll give you an assignment because there's plenty to do. So. All right, uh, running down the show, and we got a lot to get through, that is for sure. Um, spent this last week out there getting a lot of content put together, Tommy. We're going to bring some of that out uh, tonight. Uh, FHN on the beach digging clams, how to find them and actually how to dig them. Some pointers there to help you be successful. Then we're going to be back here in the kitchen. Uh, often are asked, how do you clean clams? I've never done it before. Well, there's a method to the madness. going to show you how easy it is and how to get the most bang for your buck. Uh, we had a May 1st opener on Puget Sound, Tommy, as you and I are well aware of. Uh, Puget Sound Lingcod did, in fact, open May 1st. You and I will have a little discussion on how well it's fishing and some tips for folks that might be struggling, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you, following up on that, you were back in the bait lab, going to get uh, down and dirty on some Lingcod tricks here. Your Lingcod double rig really show the folks some uh, excellent rigging technique points so they can also be successful. Uh, then we're going to take a little time and discuss and recap the east side turkey hunt that I just returned from. Did I get a trophy bird? Did we get a trophy bird? Uh, I think so. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah for sure. And then uh, you guys had a fantastic weekend out there out of Nia Bay. Little ones on the ocean, man. Yeah, you had eight, a... eight kids and three of them were one-year-olds. <laughs> it was awesome. On the ocean. So we, we're going to spend a little time talking about the value in that family time, mm -hmm. how you can pull that off, and of course, do it safely. Yep, right? absolutely. Because everybody had a great time. So, all right, lots to get through. Don't go anywhere. We come back, we're gonna be out there on the beach digging clams, then we're gonna show you how to clean them. All that going on. So stick around. Jump back in here right after this break, right here, Fish on Northwest. The Fines Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. 
All right, well, welcome back here in studio. Uh, what'd you think about that little outing, huh? That was really good. I've never, so I've never done it. Yeah. Right, usually because I'm I'm off doing something else, chasing some other quarry, but- uh, <laughs> There's too much to do. That was really informative. I've never seen one cleaned. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool to see mm -hmm. that. I had no idea that you blanched them, because yeah. you know, I've, I've caught, you know, butters yep. and, and manilas yep. and little necks and stuff like that. You know, it's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that was cool to see. And then your walking stick, yeah. you know, I, when I first saw it on the video, I thought, you know, you're just getting up there. Just age, getting old. So yes. you need something to help you get along. Assist, especially the, out in the wind and yeah, the surf. It's like, yeah. I got to, you know, next find next your way. Be out there right, in my cart. Right. Yeah, my no, that was cart. great. That was good. Yeah. Well, it's uh, for those that have never done it. I mean, you got to first got to be able to figure out what am I looking for? Right. We literally, most times I go out there clamming, people come up and go, what am I looking for? Right. Yeah. And guys that take a staff or a stick or some or the butt end of a clam shovel and you're banging into the sand you're leaving mm -hmm. a little depression mm -hmm. and that's why i kind of joke <laughs> yeah. at the start yeah you know it's go, oh my gosh look at all these shows well no actually they're just right you know, as you're walking behind the person in front of you yes it's <laughs> tapping the sand with their stick yeah really good point. right so right. anyway uh successful again you know so many clams and we have clam digs right now starting today for the next two weeks, morning digs. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna get out a couple more times. And hey, for you springer fishermen and ladies, if you're going out there to dig clams, you might as well take a sand shrimp gun and mm. gun up all the sand shrimp you want out there on the beaches. That too is completely legal and you save yourself a ton of money simply by grabbing your own sand shrimp when mm -hmm. uh, you are already there. So yeah. two for one. Anyway, uh, hey, we had a link out opener, May we 1st, did. out here in Puget Sound. And for those paying attention on social media, Looks like in some areas, and for some folks, uh, some of the regulars out there, yep. they're doing pretty well, mopping up. Yeah, so what I saw, you know, and, and the reports that I got, is if you could find the right live bait, mm -hmm. you know, that was absolutely key. And from the folks that I talked with, it was like, hey, these Puget Sound link cod, at least the ones that we're chasing, you know, in Area 9, they don't like the the Mondo flounder, which is the first time I, you know, that's the first time I'd ever heard that. You know me, I don't yeah. like I don't like using flounder, period, for live no. bait. But if you have to, it works really well out of Westport. Don't get me wrong. Yes, it does. But if I've got the option for Puget Sound between a live herring uh -huh. or a live shiner perch, yep. I'm going that route every single time. And the folks that I talked to that had that option or the smaller flounder, they did pretty darn good. Sure, did yeah, pretty darn good. Yeah, I too like the shinier bait. Repeat yep. sound, um, yep. as we have personally experienced. Mm -hmm. uh, our buddy Matt, he likes to go after the shiny bait as well, though he said this year it's been tough. He's not seen a whole lot of the little yeah. pogies or the, shine, uh, the pile perch. Right. So, you know, if you're able to find schools of bait, go out there and Zabiki rig up some fresh herring. Right. It's a great alternative. And I want to propose a different alternative to folks that are having, you know, herring are hard to track down sometimes. Yes. Shiner perch, you may go to your favorite dock and you look down and there's three of them hanging out by the piling and then you spend an hour trying to get those three <laughs> perch right off the get piling. Those three, yeah. um, the, the, the easier alternative, I will say, is to pull sculpin up or bullhead. Yeah. You know, the little yep. sculpin, the little staghorn sculpin. A lot of them. And there is a lot of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the ones that are about four or five inches are mm -hmm. absolutely perfect for link cod bait. They're lively, they're aggressive. You know, it works and, great uh, for those. Link cod love them. Uh, mussels. Yep. Mussels or clam necks work just, really well. Clam necks work great. Yep. And if you if you don't want to take time to do all that, just get some of your little uh, tiger prawn because it's a tough, durable bait. Yep. It's white. It actually has some uh, um, some uh, UV properties to it yep. when it goes down in the water and it grabs sunlight. 
Those little uh, those little shrimp from the grocery store work fantastic. Yep. But mussels are just a natural go-to. Yeah, well, in my childhood, that was my childhood. Go down yeah. to the dock, go down yeah, to the fish, boat to work on the boat. Horn heads, yeah. And, you know, lay down on the dock, reach yep. your hand over the side, yep. and grab a handful of mussels and crack them open and use them. So... The lean yeah. cod fishery will continue. Um, sounds like a good number of bottom, you know, uh, rockfish and stuff getting caught out there too. You yeah, know, which yellow, is great. Yellowtail are making a comeback. It's nice yeah. to see. We can't keep them yet, so don't make that mistake. Right. But, uh, yeah, get and out And then just there. friendly reminder on that note, you got to have a descent device if you're fishing bottom fish, so do not 100%. forget that. All right, we're going to jump out of here. First half of the show complete if you're joining us here on Root Sports. Uh, if uh, you're joining us here live tonight, stick through the break. Second half of the show coming up right after this. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse chine and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied boats will have it for you. Contact Allied boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. Hey guys, I'm Big Mike. Come on down to the Edge Pro Shop and see me. We've got all the best brands under one roof. We've got Hawken, Procure, Short Bus, Pro Troll, Yakima Bait, Get em Dry Jigs, Northwest Bait Scent, Daiwa Reels, North Fork Lures, North Wild, Brad's, Superfly, Rocky Mountain Tackle, and of course, the greatest rods ever built, Edge rods. Hey, welcome back to Fish on Northwest. I'm Tommy Donlin, and we are in the Bait Lab, brought to you by Sportco and Outdoor Emporium. All right, this is a topic that I probably should have covered a couple years ago, but it is an absolutely deadly rig. It's a double rig, okay, to catch link cod. And the thing that you're going to love about this is it's absolutely scalable. And what I mean by that is it doesn't matter if you're fishing in 700 feet of water or 30 feet of water, okay? And so what is a double rig? And effectively, a double rig, and again, the one that I'm gonna show you tonight is really rigged for kind of that deep water application. And so I've got, you know, a sizable pipe jig, okay? This one is about two and a half to three pounds. And then you're gonna notice that it comes up to a three-way swivel. So I've got about, I'm gonna call that maybe three and a half feet of line that goes from the pipe jig all the way up to the swivel. And on this three-way swivel, I've got another foot to a foot and a half that comes off the other end. And then I've got your famed power grub, okay? And so if we go to the table, I'm going to walk you through each one of these components, kind of talk about them in detail. So the first thing I want to do is talk about the pipe jig. Um, now, I do all of these myself because I have a particular way that I like them rigged. And um, the first thing you're going to notice is the pipe itself. So this copper pipe is three quarter inch, okay? And just to give you a rough idea, if you make this roughly nine inches in length, you're gonna have a two pounder. You make it about uh, 12 or so, you're gonna have about a three pounder, okay? Now you're gonna notice that in this pipe jig, and uh, I've got some pretty heavy stainless steel cable in here. That's 500 pound stainless steel cable that you'll see on a lot of the commercial salmon boats for trolling. That cable goes all the way down into the shank of this pipe before I pour the lead, okay? Now, before I pour the lead, I also insert this swivel right here. That's a 250 pound swivel. 
Um, you can go up from there, but you really don't need to. That's connected to this um, to this cable right here. And then the other thing that's covered up by shrink wrap is a stainless steel cotter pin, a heavy duty cotter pin. Now that goes in and the reason that you put that through the middle of the pipe is because you got to connect this 500 pound barrel swivel. Yes, 500 pounds. Now the reason for that is because these link out are mean and you never know when you're going to have a 100 pound halibut come up and hammer the pipe and they do. So heavy duty, heavy duty barrel swivel, heavy duty half inch split ring and then you've got your 12-aught Mustad Duratin treble. Now, when you create these yourself, you really want to size this treble hook so that it doesn't go above the pipe, the top of the pipe, or below the bottom of the pipe, right? This one is kind of right at the right at the border, but you don't want to hang this, you know, on the bottom, and you don't want to hang it on the line. So that's kind of the sizing. So you pick kind of that midpoint in the jig, and then um, I did a poor job on this one, but I got some shrink wrap over it to try to hide. Um, the ends of the cotter pin too, and I'm sure that you're all more qualified than I am to do the uh, to do the heat shrinking parts. So um, I trust your ability. Okay, now the next thing you're going to know if you go back to the table is you're going to see the San Diego knot, and you guys know this is like one of my favorite knots, super strong knot. That's what that knot is. In fact, every knot in this tire in this entire rig is a San Diego knot. So if I come up the line again, three and a half feet, you're going to see this heavy duty three-way swivel. This is a commercial fishing swivel. Um, this is an eight-aught eight swivel um, rated for approximately 600 pounds, really heavy duty, okay? So I've got 250 pound, and in this case, it's Berkeley Big Game. I also use 300 pound line, and I can still tie this knot uh, with great effect. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna also walk you through kind of the, the genesis of this rig, but I'm using mono for sure. Okay, and then off the other side, you've got about a foot and a half of that 250-pound mono, and that's going to come over to my absolute favorite hook, which is this guy right here. This is your Gamakatsu Big River hook in 12-aught. Okay, 12-aught is the way to go. Super strong, super thin, penetrates well into the jaw of a halibut or a link cod. And then what I'm doing is I'm threading a power grub on there, a Berkeley power grub. Um, I like really two colors. I like white and I like um, glow. Uh, out of, uh, you know, out of uh, Westport. We've also had some really good luck with some bigger root beer grubs that work really well. And then in this particular one, I've tipped it with a Yamashita double skirt as well in pearl white. Okay. And that's basically the rig. That's the rig. Now, where did this rig start? Okay. This rig, I learned about this rig or a variation of this rig back in 2007. Okay. And it was absolutely doing work back then. Where this rig started, and the reason I'm telling you is because you can choose, if you decide, you can rig it this way as well. So, a little bit different application, but you've got a uh, jig head here, okay, 24 ounce, and then you're going to notice I've got, I've got tuna cord. I've got tuna cord here. This is 200 pound test tuna cord. This is how I started rigging this. Now, you go, well, okay, you're doing mono now, you started with tuna cord, why, why did you switch to mono, okay? There's less water resistance on the mono, so you're gonna have a little bit less blowback, but also it's not as noticeable to the fish, okay? And when there is pick bites, picky bites, and there will be, even though it's a halibut and a link cod, they do get picky, you're gonna see, you know, dropping down from the 250 down to the 150, but you'll never see me really go below a 100 pound test mono uh, for fishing because we do have large halibut in the state 
just a couple years ago, a buddy of mine caught a 185 pounder. Um, and so those big fish do, do exist. Okay. Um, so just looking at this, just to kind of give you an idea, and this was what I call, you know, the poor man's rig, but it was very simple. So I've got tuna cord with a cinch knot comes up the swivel that goes to the main line is sliding on the tuna cord. And then I've just got a couple beads and then I just very simply put one overhand knot right in the middle of the line. And that sets the length for my other rig with the 12 watt uh, Gamakatsu Big River Hook. And um, this brings up a good point. So you don't just use power grubs all the time. I really, really, really like the big hammer, you know, for, for really everything, for inshore fishing, for link cod and sea bass, obviously for tuna. Big hammer is my go-to, but this is the nine inch glow big hammer. Um, and this thing does a lot of work at depth as well. Okay, so this was kind of the original ring uh, rig made with tuna cord. Uh, I'll show you another variation of this. Uh, there's a gentleman that, that has a company called uh, Bad Donkey Jigs, and that's what you're looking at here, this jig head. Um, super strong hook in these jigs, great jig. And in this case, I've taken that nine inch big hammer and I've rigged it onto the jig head. Um, again, this is not uh, as heavy as a jig head. You're talking about about a 16 ouncer in this case. And that's kind of what I was getting to in terms of scalability. Now, one of the things that I'm gonna point out as I go to the table on this rig here, is you're gonna look at the knot and you're gonna see three tag ends on the top of the knot right here. And you're gonna wonder what the heck's going on. So when you do drop down in your monofilament, if you do go to um, kind of that 100 pound or 130 pound or whatever the case may be, I tie a double San Diego. So I double the line and then tie the San Diego knot, okay? You can do this with your other cinch knots as well but that gives you just a little bit extra assurance. If you're really worried about this connection here, you really wanna drop down in the line, tie a TN knot, Tango November knot, okay? Super strong knot. Um, the other thing is you're gonna notice this rig has been used. Look at the power grub on this sucker. This thing has been absolutely mauled. You can see teeth marks, the tail's missing. Um, you know, the one thing I will say about the power grubs is they make them with real bait sense. Okay, and you can see on this one, I've even had to put a zip tie in place to keep this thing together. Another trick of the trade is to use heat shrink. If you can get heat shrink over the top of a swim bait, that'll kind of keep it together. You can shrink it down. I would recommend the large size, one inch diameter, right? And it shrinks to a third of the size. So you really get a lot of good compression there and you can save those swim baits that you pay anywhere from a dollar and a half all the way up to you know three or four dollars per swim bait so that's a good way to save your bait if you're on the water you don't have a heat gun handy you're going to use a zip tie it's a great way to go okay so i want to that's that's one thing i want to mention in terms of scalability you know the other thing that's really good is you can do this and you've seen us do this before inshore fishing 60 feet of water 70 feet of water two and a half ounce jig head right 30 pound 40 pound monofilament we're doing the same exact rig same exact rig, right? Now, the other thing, instead of having a three-way swivel, you can go to the top and you can put a dropper loop or an overhand knot, and that's gonna be your, your top loop. And then instead of, say, a power grub or something that size, we use a shrimp fly. So, so this rig is totally scalable. Now, you always have to remember the regulations when you're talking about a double rig. In the state of Washington, you can have two hooks. That's it. If you have two hooks, that pretty much limits you to two baits. 
if you're in Canadian waters, no matter what, you cannot have more than one offering, one bait. But you can have one bait with 12 hooks if you so decide. There's no limit to the hooks, but there is, you cannot have a double rig in Canada. What I'm showing you tonight is illegal in Canada. You can't do it, so just kind of keep that in mind. Um, something else that I want to talk about is you may look at this and you go, okay, that's great, but I fish four people on my boat. I fish six people on my boat. I don't want to store a bunch of pipe jigs in a bucket with all of this line and then an extra hook. It's going to get tangled. It's going to rust in the bucket. It's going to sit in the boat, right? And so I want to make this modular. I want to make it, you know, something that I can break down and store easier. Now, if I go back to the table, I'll show you effectively what you would do. And then I'm going to tell you why I don't do this. But first, I want to show you what you could do. So this connection to the pipe jig, because let's face it, pipe jigs are a pain in the butt to store. You got a giant treble hook, you know, obviously with three points that wants to do nothing more than stick you in the hand or leg or whatever. And so what you could do is you could get a really heavy duty snap swivel and you could put that in line instead of tying direct to the pipe jig. Okay. That way you can unhook the pipe jig. You can store the pipe jig separately from the rest of the line, the rest of the rig kind of keep them separate and stow them. Now here's the deal. I do not trust, I do, and my crew, my crew absolutely hates it. I don't trust snap swivels. I don't like snap swivels, okay? And this goes for a lot of different fisheries. If we're fishing swordfish, that leader gets crimped on. That last five and a half, seven feet of actual leader with the swordfish bait on it, it gets crimped on. It does not get put on with a swivel because these do fail with big fish, right? And, and over time, they also corrode, right? Saltwater is not a friendly environment to any metal. And, um, you, you know, unless you're constantly changing these out, which I know you're not going to do, right? I'm not going to do it either. Um, it is a failure point. And I, as an engineer, I like as few of failure points as possible. So that's why you'll see me tie direct for a lot of my gear. Spreader bars, same thing. I really am not a fan of these. Um, crew hates it, though, because you get hung on the bottom. You got to break off. You got to retie. If you're in a six to eight foot sea with a, you know, 15 to 20 knot wind, it's not fun as you're sitting there trying to do a double San Diego knot. So you can understand why it may be unpopular. So just kind of keep that in mind, you know, as you're going out for that day of fishing. There's some of these nuances to consider. One of the other things that I will mention, and I got a, another nice piece of metal here, is this is a soft crock and this is a Norwegian cod jig, okay, is what you're looking at. If I go to the table, show you a little bit more a detail. Uh, you know, most of my crew is afraid to fish this just because they're not cheap. But these rigs are highly, highly, highly effective. This is a 1,000 gram, aka 35 ounce jig um, with a nice piece of fluorescent tubing on the, on the treble hook. And the one thing that I will say about this is these are just so deadly effective. They got some pretty mean, sharp facets on them. And this jig, when you work it through the water column, it has a really wide swing to it. Okay, super erratic. So if you have fish that just really aren't willing to cooperate or if they're on a lot of herring, you know, or those bigger sardines or pilchards or whatnot, they're on those big baits, big shiny baits, and you're really trying to get their attention, this jig is the way to go. So when things slow down, maybe the current is what I want it to be and I'm really trying to aggravate the fish, I'll go to this Norwegian jig and you can run it on a double rig as well. All right, covered A to Z on the double rig. 
I hope you use it. It's deadly effective. You get halibut and link on on both. The bottom, the top rig, the grub, the swim bait, the pipe jig, the Norwegian jig. You get it on absolutely everything, okay? Super deadly effective. Okay, don't go anywhere. We're gonna be right back after the short break on Fish Hunt Northwest. All Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy. All right, welcome back here in the studio. Nicely done, mister. Thank you, sir. That was very well in-depth. Yeah, and just, just to answer, I do not like putting any hoochie on the pipe jig itself. Mm. Um, I, like, I like the pipe jig sleek, and I like it to move fast. And the other thing is, if I put a small hoochie on that on that hook, mm -hmm. it just it seems to get targeted by smaller fish. Oh, yeah. And so I just don't do it. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing if you're adding it to a grub that's already up there to kind of you know, make that profile bigger of that bait, mm -hmm. but not the pipe jig. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and Clayton, no, uh, we did not fish the halibut opener today. Tommy was at work, and um, I uh, typically do not hit the ocean on a lengthy day on a Thursday. <laughs> but we have to be back in here and ready to go, you know, around 5 o'clock. But so. this Saturday is a different story. This Saturday is a different story. That's right. We're going to get to that. Um, before we do, a little recap. Uh, as you were out there galley event around the ocean, mm -hmm. having a good time and chasing sea creatures, uh, Matthew Messing and I headed to the east side, did a little fishing, took the boat, and let me tell you, um, I need to start writing down lists. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm getting old. But when you plan to take the boat and do full-on couple of days of fishing, and then oh, you're just going to drop yeah. everything, checklist, switch gears, yeah, for hunting, yeah. There's there's a lot. Of I packing. haven't sent you my list. I don't need your. I've list. got I've got, got Excel list. spreadsheets. One yeah, for hunting, one yeah, for fishing. You know how many tabs yeah. I have so, for each one. Anyway, got to be prepared. Uh, fishing was okay. We didn't get into nearly as many fish as we wanted to, and definitely no kokanee. Troy was out there killing it, of course, as he does. Um, and, uh, but the weather was good. The wind wasn't, well, day two, the wind was horrible, but uh, it is what it is. Uh -huh. You just fish. Yeah. And uh, we got some nice sized triploids, that is for sure. Um, just not the numbers that I would like to think we could get, you know? So and you guys were, were kokanee fishing, right? Well, I mean, it's, there's an abundance of the triploids, and if you get a bonus kokanee, you're going to get a bonus kokanee. I historically have always done better over there. Once we get into June, they drop a little deeper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can target them on the wire 40, 50 feet, something like that. Mm -hmm. I seem to find more kokanee mm -hmm. that time. That's of year. when they start dropping water, right? And kind of. That's when they start raising water. Water's coming or, up now. Or, excuse me, raise water. Water's right? coming up. Snow yeah. melt. So yeah. they've drained it down like 50 feet. Yeah. Anticipating snow but melt. Is that, is that when the fish typically congregate closer to the dam? So when they draw the water down, the fish congregate down towards the dam. Okay, and they fill it up and they can be down. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They fill okay. up, they just, they spread out. The feed spreads gotcha. out, they spread out. So gotcha. that's when you lean on fishing those bays, the direction from the day before that the wind was pushing. Right. Because all your feed is yep. going to be in those bays, right? Sure. So anyway, a little method to the madness, but uh, we did all right. It's just, um, you know, uh, got out of fishing mindset, dropped the boat, and headed to the turkey cabin. Mm -hmm. Right? Eric Broughton, friend of ours, and uh, on the show on a regular basis, uh, and we talk about this. We actually did a segment with him talking about the history of the turkey cabin. Yes. Because, Tommy, let's face it, uh, hunting camp, 
um, elk camp, deer camp, mm -hmm. turkey cabin. I mean, sir, you're so <laughs> dedicated that you have a cabin specific, yes. and it is truly for turkey hunting, right? Yes. The history there, man, I slept there uh, a couple nights uh, while we're hunting out in that particular area. Um, that being said, we put a couple hundred miles on a day in the old Chevy. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Eric has 300,000 miles on this truck. I mean, it is just, mm. you just go. It's the turkey truck. It is the turkey truck. It's yeah. a it's a brush beater. It's a uh, Matt found a uh, a moose paddle. Oh, he did. Small, okay. Small. Okay. But uh, nonetheless, his first one. So Very he's pretty cool. excited on Very a shed cool. hunt. Um, but you know the turkey hunting itself. Like we got out there late afternoon on Friday, and we plan to get out, hit the evening time, go find mm. some birds, put them to roost, do the whole deal, kind of have a game plan for day. Two, which was truly day one of hunting. Right. But we did get on a couple uh, spot and stocks that evening, which was great. You know, found found smaller groups of uh, birds with, you know, we had one group there. There was a ton of hens and probably five toms out there strutting around on some private land. And and so you're, you're taking in all this information and, you know, trying to go into your first full day of hunting with a plan. And, um, and it's going to be Saturday. So we're going to be up against the hunters in the woods. And yeah, right, right. Um, so we opted, we started off in the morning on a ground blind set that Eric had already set up on some property and I was successful and that's the, that's the infamous backflip. That's where that, that, that's all, right. that all went down yeah. a couple years ago. So we started the morning there. As soon as we're getting out of the truck and daylight's just starting to bust, the, the gobblers are gobbling in the trees, they're jumping out of roost. Um, nothing, man. We're there till 7 a.m. Never had a bird come up the hill, come into that area, nothing. So we abandoned that plan, got on the road, we headed north. And uh, we were pulling off frequently, and Eric's using his locator call. He's mm -hmm. waylaying on the old, uh, the woodpecker. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm hacking away on the, uh, the crow call, uh, which he looks at me and goes, yeah, you got to work on that. So oh. <laughs> anyway. Didn't use the old truck horn, huh? No, no, didn't use the old truck horn or the, yeah. uh, the hinge point on the suspension, right? <laughs> so um, spot and stock, calling, try to get some, uh, you know, get up in the woods, put a, put a, put a chase on a few. Mm -hmm. um, Eric kept uh, coming back to the fact in certain areas, because the way the weather has been this year, quite honestly, mm -hmm. so the farther north you go, the colder it still is. Yep. And so the birds are just breaking out of their fall and winter groups. Okay. And thereby, as they start dispersing out and breaking up into smaller groups. Now, these toms are be becoming protective of their hens. Yeah. So they got a group of hens, three, four, five, six, whatever sure. it is. And you find a couple toms working a field, and you pull off and come up around behind them and try to draw right. them. Get the decoy out, try to draw them to you with your calls. Mm -hmm. They're very reluctant right now to leave their hens. Mm -hmm. Now... As we progress over the next couple of weeks, it's going to warm up. The hens are going to be bred. A lot of them will start nesting. Yep. Once they're committed to nesting and they don't leave except for one hour a day to eat and take care of business because they don't take care of business on the eggs, right? They do it all in one shot out there for about an hour. Then they're right back to the nest. Um, that's when you can start pulling toms because mm -hmm. now they're looking. Because they're, they're trying to breed the, those ones that didn't get bred. Or yeah. looking for new ones to breed, yes, yeah. because they're out there right now. They got to find them, so a little more aggressive in responding to your call. So, so what do they do? So, if you got okay, when they're you know they've got their harem, so to speak, yep. they've got their hens. Yep. They don't want to leave their hens. Yep. You are you calling with hen calls? Yep. Are you calling with yes? Yeah, you're 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 uh, no you're gobbles. 
it got desperate times produced desperate measures and yeah. Eric does have a gobble call. It's a shaker. It's a, it's like a shaker. So what happens? You said they got their hands, <laughs> like you gobble. Shaker. They're like, Hey girls, we got to go. They take them and leave or what? No, well, no? so I can't really specify on that because we didn't observe that behavior. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the few times that he executed the gobble call. So 99.9% .9 of the time it's, it's hen talk, right? Okay. It's clucks. It's, uh, it's scrapes, it's yeah. purrs, it's, it's just all those dynamics to try okay. to get hens' attention. You start drawing hens on over to say, hey, what's going on? And then toms will hopefully follow. Yeah, sure. So we ended up going up into the hills. We're up about 3,000 feet and uh, in the rocky hills, rocky terrain, and there's a blind set up, and we're going to go camp in this blind. Now, keep in mind, first good week of weather change, substantial mm -hmm. weather change. We're highs of 80 degrees over there. Oh, that's warm, yeah. The afternoon uh, activity is, mm -hmm. is kind of getting down. That 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. window yeah. that they're really starting to probably shift towards now was just at the start of that. And... We got set up, put some deeks out, and the first thing that happens is we get a tom and three hens way on the periphery. They just kind of come up over, and they kept their distance. They were just out there. They were staying in the shade is mm -hmm. what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, then we'd get a lone hen coming in once in a while. We had one hen that was there with us most of the day. She'd be in and out, come back, mm -hmm. and very comfortable, right? And, and Eric was swapping out decoys. He'd put out the Jake. He'd put out the hen. He'd put out the Jake and the Does, hen. Doesn't he have, like, a actual decoy that he he's... He has. Last year, he made a yeah. Jake decoy out of a Jake. Yes. <laughs> He came he to the, the Jake and stuffed it. And uh, I asked him, what did you stuff that with? He goes, oh, there's a story. And he started, because he actually took some taxidermy in college, right? And so okay. he, he kind of understands the basics of it. But, um, yeah, that thing turned out great. And it got pulverized last year. Them Toms attacked that Jake decoy. Oh, they screwed it up. They huh? just, oh, they just, yeah, talons Buggers. in the back. So um, we set up, and we knew we were in for the rest of the day. Because mm -hmm. we were, I was banking on, and we're kind of all, you know, we're all three in there, in this blind. Matt's trying to capture this all on film. Did a phenomenal job as it all came together. And, you know, we'd get those hens coming in. Uh, we're waiting for the cooling temps and the shade to start dropping down. You know, you got to get out of that doggone blind once in a while and stretch. I don't Pretty know. Pretty warm, huh? Well, it was warm. And in the fall time, when I'm hunting deer, if I go to sit in a blind, yeah. you know, it's an all-day deal, in at dark, out at dark. Yeah. You're 10, 11 hours, depending. Um, you got to get up and move around, man. So you had, you had three guys in a one-man blind? It was, uh, it's a it's a good-sized blind. Yeah, there's plenty oh, of... Oh, it's a good-sized blind. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, okay. Yeah. Just, Just checking. Don't even go there. So <laughs> we uh, we all stepped out about 6 o'clock, stretched a little, walked around a little, tried to, you know, tried to reset. Okay, let's give it an hour, right? We're going to give it an hour. We go back in there, and we're in there 15, 20 minutes. Okay. This hen comes back, and she is just not having it with that decoy <laughs> she is strutting around d ducking and dodging throwing i mean just a little, little floyd May mayweather yeah, action going oh yeah, on. yeah yeah it was yeah. it was hilarious and i can't wait till matt puts that to music because it's going to be quite the dance show but that being said she's doing her thing and matt's sitting over here and i can't see on the left the left periphery and he's like hey there's a tom finally coming in we got a big mm -hmm. tom coming in and that bird came strutting in unannounced never gobbled never not once never made a noise fanned out the whole time Yes, just after he crested right over the little hill there, boom, he's up and he's just strutting on in and he's so plump and he's he's wobbling. Actually, yeah. Eric called him Mr. Wobbles doesn't gobbles, right? He just comes, <laughs> comes walking on in there and um, he's making a beeline for that, that hen decoy. Right. And, you know, they keep it like in their sights. 
And yep. so they're either going to come straight and go head to head or else they're going to strut around and do so. As it gets over here in, in position, I got my, my 410 right there with that red dot. And uh -huh. I, I put that red dot right on the ear hole, man. Put it on the ear hole, can't miss. And so if you can see ear hole, you need to be pulling the trigger. Yeah, right. And so he just so what range are we talking here? He was 20 to 25. Okay. Well, not too bad. This okay. gun, I feel comfortable with this gun. 80% uh, of that 9.5 TSS load. Yeah, the tungsten. Yeah. Yep. Um, Downrange, 40 yards, 10-inch 10, 10 pipe plate. Okay. Is the factory okay. specs. Okay. And so we did some we did some targeting at Turkey Camp, checked our patterns. We're good. High, high percentage of everything in the head and neck, right where you yeah. want to be. So uh, I had no doubts. Um, but as it gets closer, you got to be more exact because now you've got a tighter pattern. Yeah, you got right? a tighter pattern. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Twenty-five to thirty yards is a real comfortable distance. Okay. That stuff performs, I think, probably optimally. It's it's twelve fifty per second. You know, it's it's moving. That's fast, yeah. And it doesn't uh, deform in shape, right? It holds its sure, it, yeah, right. stays tight pattern. So um, yeah, got the uh, got the red dot on the ear hole. Eric's like now. And I didn't squeeze off. I waited. <laughs> He's going, what are you doing? And he what turns, are you doing? He turns a little bit, and I'm like, oh, now, okay, boom. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a good headshot with that TSS load, man, that bird was down. And you you kind of, you work all day. I mean, look at that thing, right? The colors yeah. of that bird, the size of that bird. And when it comes in, you don't really gauge, like, what it is. It's like, hey, there's a nice tom. You're trying to do your job. There's yeah. a nice tom. You don't have time yeah. to go, I wonder how big its spurs are. I wonder all the, yeah. I call it the turkey spec geeks, right? Yeah, they, it's, not, it's not like grading a bull from 700 no, yards no. plus away. It's yeah. like, that's a nice Tom. We've worked all day. We're almost seven hours in the blind. This is why yeah. we're here. Pull the trigger. Go out. Uh, Eric, who is so immersed into the turkey hunting for years, right? Mm -hmm. First thing he starts looking at is the size of this bird, beard, spurs. He was like, oh my gosh, look at the size of these spurs. What what does it matter what size the spurs are? Right. Well, if you truly understand turkey hunting, these mountain merriams, look, uh, three-quarter inch spur, pretty much normal, rounded, up in the rocks, rugged. Right, they're, they're, they're grinding it they're down. They're grinding them down. Yeah. These ones, he could tell right away, they're nice and pointy and they're pretty lengthy. We get back to camp, uh. it's, you know, because all the, all the stats go on the wall. Uh, inch and a quarter, inch and an eighth. On the spurs. Yeah. So was he was he corn fed? Would you say, mm. or you know, hanging out in the? He may have found a farm or two. On the farm, you know. <laughs> uh, Eric gauges that bird to be four or five years old. Very mature okay. bird. Okay. Probably has uh, mated with a lot of hens over the last couple of years yeah. in their maturity from three years on, and yeah. um, uh, just a spectacular bird. And he was like, "Hey, man, if uh, if I was you, I would seriously think about getting this thing taxidermy." I'm like, mm -hmm. "Really?" Really, mm -hmm. you know? But when you look at the colors on that bird, as mm -hmm. Jordan had put it up, the waddle, the the, the length of the snood, I mean, yeah. just the dominance of this bird, I'm like, yep. you know, you're right. This mm -hmm. bird deserves respect. And we worked hard for that bird. Yeah, you did. There's a That's lot, a long time in a blind. It's a long time in a blind. Yeah. But you know, as well as I, as anybody that's passionate about any type of hunting, the overall story of the day yeah. and how it all comes together, right. that's, what we, that's what we hold on to. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And it was a team effort. Matt did a phenomenal job. I can't wait to watch this as a segment on the show, as an episode. Yeah. It's going to be great. Um, so, yeah, just a couple days of, you know, grinding, hard work, ultimately in a blind, all comes together. And uh, we're heading back here this next week for three days. Um, we'll try to film some, but mostly Matt and I got a couple tags to still fill. Yeah. And uh, Unfinished we're, business. We're just going to be out there on the old public land and uh, hoping those toms are a little more... 
uh, eager to play and yeah. see if we can't go get a couple more. So that one's going to the taxidermy here in a couple weeks. Perfect, and, uh, perfect. In about six to eight months, he's going to be sitting right here. Awesome. <laughs> in studio next to Tommy. There we go. Let's do it. <laughs> Little Tommy. Anyway, it was a great, uh, great opportunity. Can't thank Eric Broughton enough. He's always a gracious host. Um, met a met a handful of his buddies over there and just had a, just had a great time. Yeah, Tried to get cool. you over there sometime, but we're always up against too many things going on. There's always something going on. Too much going on. Yeah. Right. Frozen with indecision. Yeah. As uh, the great one. Good. Would good say. problem to have. Good problem to have. So uh, yeah, gonna bring that to you here in a few weeks down the road. Um, I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, again, Matt did a great job shooting it. His editing skills are second to none. So okay, uh, we are gonna jump out for a quick break. We come back, Tommy. I want to pick your brain on the success of your guys' family outing uh, this last weekend out there at Nia Bay. We'll talk a little bit about the trip you and I are. Well, you had had planned, and now all of a sudden I find myself lu right. lured into the event, and we're going to go chase some halibut, so mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that. By the way, while you were doing your bait lab, I was pulling the kokanee and the nice. rain rainbows out of the nice. freezer back here in the bait lab. So uh, we'll get those in the brine tonight after the show. Can't wait. Perfect. All right, do not go anywhere. We come back and hear all about Tommy and family's outing, getting little ones on the ocean of all places, how to be successful and do it safe and have a great time with the kids. Doing all that, we come back right here, Fish on Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why Arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima Boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. Back here as we wind it down and close out the show. Uh, Tommy, if folks are paying attention to uh, your Facebook page and some of the mm -hmm. info we're putting out there on our Facebook page, they would have uh, gathered in some intel that, wow, look at all them little kids and PFDs, and that looks like a really big boat. So yes. talk a little bit about your guys' plan, some of the buddies mutual buddies you guys families headed out for this last weekend and got these kids introduced to their ocean right. fisheries huh yeah so this started probably this plan started about a year ago mm -hmm. and you know i wanted to get you know not only my son kind of out on the water but you know they always have more fun right when they have a buddy and so i was thinking well what if we could get you know our kids and then i've got a handful of buddies that have kids the same age right um you know, I've got a 10-month-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And, uh, you know, funny, Mr. Mr. J.J. Dial, <laughs> same same deal, right? He's got yes. a, a one-year-old and a yes, four- or five-year-old. Mm -hmm. uh, Herb Gutler, another good buddy of mine, same thing, one-year-old, three-year-old. So, um, you know, so this plan came about then, and we were thinking, what if we get the entire family out at Nia Bay, which, you know, if you've never been to Nia Bay, it is it is like the mecca for bottom fishing. Mm -hmm. It has the most rock structure in the state, the most kelp structure in the state. It's nutrient rich. You have bait everywhere. There's fish just readily available and and all really within a couple miles of the marina. So we we never went further than three miles from the dock. Oh, easiest trip ever. Right. And this was by design because I wanted I wanted to make this trip about the kids, not yeah, the adults, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Because you know how I roll. Oh, if it's up to me, we're going <laughs> yes. around the corner, uh -huh. and we're going to stay out for 15, 16 hours, are, 18 yeah, hours, yeah. whatever the case is, right? Yeah, yep. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to put that urge aside, mm -hmm. and we're just going to focus on the kids. Yeah. 
And so the thought process was, well, hey, we're not going to, when the kids are ready to go out in the morning, we'll go out. We're not going to wake them up at five, uh, even though my son gets up at five. Uh, I wonder where he gets that from. Weird. And then, uh, you know, we're just going to go when everybody's ready. And yep. when they're done, we're done. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly what we did. So that's we a hit, great approach. We hit the water around yep. 10. Right. Yep. And, um, you know, we fish spots that were extremely close. And, and one thing that I want to just mention to everybody is that it doesn't take much to catch fish out of Nia Bay. Right. So Wada Island's the first island that you come across. You go out of the marina, you take a right, boom, Wada Island is right there. Wada's got kelp, they got rocks. Um, going back to the live bait thing, okay? You can drift that rock pile and drift that rock pile, and that, that Wada Island gets hit by 15 boats a day, every day, every hour of the day. But if you have live bait, the link cod that sat there and watched jig go by, jig go by, jig go by, as soon as the first live bait crosses that link cod's face, boom, it is game on. <laughs> game on. Okay. So we had kind of gone down, down third beach, which is just to the right of Wada, just to the south, mm -hmm. and caught a whole bunch of greenling and small bass, took them over to Wada Island, and dropped on rock piles right off Wada. On the south end of Wada, not oh. even off the north end, okay? Uh -huh. So I'm, you can see the marina from where we are fishing. Yeah. Okay, it is right there. Yeah. First first one down, yep. live bait gets inhaled by a link cod. Okay. First one down. First one down. Bring bring that one up. You know, and then here's the other thing with kids, right? You just have to be patient and you have to you have to tell yourself, no matter what happens, I'm not gonna get excited. Mm -hmm. Right? So did we break a couple rods? Yes, we broke a couple rods. Really? Absolutely. It's just <laughs> it's part of the process. It's you just, kids. You know it's gonna happen, uh -huh. right? We broke a couple rods. And you're going to lose fish, yeah. right? And um, you're going to have tangles. You're going to have, mm -hmm. you know, mistakes are going to be made. But, but you know, the thing about kids is they're watching you 100% of the time. Yeah. And so your, your reaction dictates the outcome of how each little minor event goes, mm -hmm. right? And so the parents were awesome on this trip. We just kept our cool. So that first link cod that came up, that was about 23, 24 pounds. Um, there was another line on top of it. Got it 10 feet below the boat. That link cod realized there was another line on top of it, felt it, took off, ripped the hook out, right, game over. Eh. Did it again, caught another another link cod yeah. and another link cod, yeah. right? And so, you know, it was unfortunate, but the bass really weren't playing the game. Mm. We got mostly greenling and then turned those into link cod. Yeah. And so a lot of, a lot of link cod action, not so much on the bass, which is fine. Rather have link cod than bass all day. But those kids, you know, for, for most of them, it was the first time they'd ever seen a link cod. Yeah. And if you're a child and you see a link cod and it is <laughs> it is only a five pound link cod. Right. And it is, you know, two thirds the length of your body. And you look at this creature that looks like a gremlin or a dinosaur or a dinosaur. Yeah. And you look into his mouth. Uh -huh. Right. And they could fit both hands into a link cod's mouth uh -huh. if they tried. Uh -huh. And it's it's lined with razor sharp teeth. Yeah. I always wondered, like, do they have nightmares about catching <laughs> this fish? Right? I was like, what did I just and, do? And they, you know, the thing is, is they can, t they, they're sitting there, they're reeling on mm -hmm. these rods, and they know something that they've never seen is on the other line. So up. their excitement level is absolutely oh, through yeah. the roof. They have no clue what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the parents are screaming because I, I told... I, I told all the parents, the parents ahead of time, screaming. I'm like, hey, we are going to celebrate every single thing that happens on the boat, right? right? We want our kids to be hooked on the same passion that we all grew up and got hooked on, yep. okay? Yep. And so we celebrated every single moment on the boat. And when those kids had enough of the fishing, and I'm going to be honest with you, the weather was a little nautical at times. When they had enough, we went back, 
went to the beach right at Hobuck. We had we rented cabins there. We flew kites on the beach. Yeah. We uh, you know we made sand castles. We even did a polar plunge. I, I saw I that. Told the told the dads. I'm like, hey. I saw that. We need to make sure. After push-ups. Yes, after push-ups. I said we need to make sure that the kids understand the role of the man, what men should be made of. You're all doing a polar plunge with me. <laughs> well, and, men should and before, be made of. before we do a polar uh, plunge, you're awesome. doing, you're, I try to make it 50 push-ups. Did JJ do that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. He's in the video. Oh, I tried to get everybody to do 50 push-ups. They said, huh, no, no, we're not doing 50. I said, okay, fine, 25. So we did 25 push-ups, sprinted into the ocean. Sean even did 25. And spent, he did, he did. Spent about five minutes in the ocean. It's cold for about the first minute, yeah, and then it's kind of freaky. You don't feel it. I don't yeah, know if that's a good thing or a numb. bad thing. It's probably because right. you're going numb. <laughs> it's like you're um, done. Josh you're won that contest. He was in there for about a good eight, ten minutes. Oh, that kid's nuts. Yeah. So, no, it was a phenomenal trip. We're going to make it a yearly event. That's and, awesome. And, again, I would urge any other parents to go to Nia Bay and do the same thing. There's a lot of protected water there, which is why I decided to go there. Yeah. And, uh I would just put it out that if any of the parents want my advice, help, you want to meet up with us, I'm more than happy to help anybody go do this. Well, I mean, credit to you and great planning and all parents, you know, on the same page. Hey, it's about the kids. Mm -hmm. We're going to have plenty of fishing days where we're going to catch and lose fish and get big fish and have our victories and have our losses, uh, fight weather, do the whole thing we do as adults. But mm -hmm. this is about the kids and yep. perfect example of how to get it done. Plus, everybody's in PFDs. Everybody's safe. Yes. You don't take risks. You don't take chances. You know, if you guys would have hooked and lost every fish of the day, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It yep. didn't matter. Exactly. But the exposure those kids got, the experience, the education mm -hmm. to see what's beneath the surface. Yes. I mean, eye-opening yeah. for them first yes. time. And you're right. They may have nightmares. Who knows? It's yeah. like a sea creature. Yes. Right? So. Well, and you know, and the other thing is, is Nia Bay is just, it's a magical place. You know, fishing aside, mm -hmm. you know, you come into the marina there and you're just, you're just surrounded by these beautiful green hillsides. There's, you know, 20 eagles, bald eagles hanging out on the beach. I mean, it's just some of the most phenomenal scenery that you're ever going to see. Yeah. And so to, to be able to expose them to that at a very early age was, was very special. Yeah, absolutely yeah. worth it. Well, nicely done. Um, <clears throat> okay, you and I, I am joining you and uh, some other uh, folks, other, other guys that you have invited for this weekend. We're going to get some halibut. Yes, we are. And I'm going to have that bait ready to go here by Saturday morning. Heck yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll definitely um, get it done for us. So uh, halibut, Nia Bay, Saturday. That's right. Okay. I gotta uh, work out the logistics with you here after the show, but it's pretty simple. You you get up at midnight and you drive to Nia Bay, four hours, and then you, you get, get on a there, boat. You fish for twelve to fourteen hours, uh -huh. and then you drive back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good logistics. I'm gonna bring a case of uh, rock stars. There you, know, you go. So, <laughs> there you go. Or monsters, what have you? All right. Uh, great, uh, great info, Tommy. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yes, we're gonna hit the ocean this weekend. Get out, go chase some uh, halibut and some uh, some bottom fish. Can't wait. Um, lots to do. Weather is going to turn around here. We've got a couple days where it's uh, blown in here a little bit uh, cruddy again, but that is going to flip here. We're going to get back into some nice weather. I'm actually going to get up tomorrow morning and go springer fishing. 
Oh, well, I thought you were telling me you're going to go to the gym. No, well, no. It's you know I'm going to get up, go That's walk. Okay, I'm going for you. Okay, had a kid. Somebody's yeah. got to go catch springers. Uh, it's time to put eggs under floats. Yeah. Go walk the shoreline, and I'm also taking a twitching rod, so I'm yeah. pretty excited. Yes. Um, ready to go. Go grab some springers tomorrow. Go uh, go grab some halibut, some bottom fish on Saturday. Mm -hmm. We're going to go get some clams on Sunday. There's just a lot to do. Yeah, that's a busy retirement. And then Matt and I hit the road yeah. on Monday for uh, turkey hunt for three days. So yeah. another busy week. I'm hoping I find time to put a doggone show together next week. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> Thursday will be here before we know it. Hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in this evening. Uh, we enjoyed it and enjoyed bringing you all the content. Uh, never a shortage of content this time of year. No. And next week's going to be no, no different. So have a great weekend. Get out and do something. I just listed a uh, number of things that you can take advantage of and get out there and do uh, for the next several weeks and months. we got uh, so much happening now as we get into mid-spring here. Things are going to start happening. So get out, enjoy, keep it safe. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next Thursday right here in studio, 6 p.m., right here at Fish on Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, Go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.